So again, just want to say a welcome to everybody today, and especially those of you who are here for uh, the holiday, maybe uh, grew up in this church and have uh, gone to other various places. It's good to, to have you home. So today we begin this Advent series, obviously. We uh, have spent a number of weeks on this series on grace and gratitude. Uh, and I'd like to just let you know that there was a great um, op-ed piece in uh, the New York Times on gratitude by David Brooks. So if you want to look at that, uh, I think it's, it's easy to find. You know, David Brooks is one of my favorite uh, Pundits, I guess, is what he is. Uh, I've read him for many years. It's been interesting to see him. I, I think he's come to faith over these years. It's been interesting to see his journey. Um, and so I always uh, love to see what he writes. So I, I recommend that to you. It's called The Structure of Gratitude. Uh, but today we begin this series on Advent. And um, I've entitled this series The Songs of the Season. And you know, Advent, I think, is one of the hardest times to preach for a pastor because it comes around every year. <laughs> and after, you know, 30 years, it gets a little rough to try to think of something fresh. And I thought we could use something fun this year in the midst of uh, this, what's been really a couple difficult years. I, I've seen a couple people here today that I haven't seen in two years, and I, it's just amazing to realize that Two years have almost gone by that we don't, haven't seen a lot of loved ones. And so I thought this would be fun. We're taking popular songs, not Christian hymns so much, but popular songs that we all know, or at least kind of know, uh, that are very much part of our celebration of Christmas. Because music is a big part of Christmas in our country, is it not? Uh, and not just for the church, but these popular songs, as, as well as movies and other popular culture uh, things. And so they create for us kind of this message of Christmas. Now, listen to me here because it, it, I have, might have some difficulty trying to really communicate what I'm saying. Uh, it's... It's almost as though there are two different types of Christians or Christmases today. And kind of the Christmas of the Christian church, which is what we celebrate and focus on, and then the Christmas of our, our culture. And I don't want to be negative here. I don't want to be one of those Christians that says there's something wrong with our culture all the time, because I don't believe that. I think there are many good things in our culture. And part of this other Christmas is really fun. <laughs> I mean, I love these songs. I love so many of the traditions of our, what I maybe call the counterfeit Christmas, this other Christmas. Uh, but let's be honest. In large part, as we will see in this series, many of these songs and this whole Christmas are created by ad executives on Madison Avenue. It's very different. And they tell us that it's Christmas is about buying presents and Christmas decorations and falling in love and going home and all the rest. And again, this isn't necessarily bad. It's, it can be really fun and we can enjoy it. But let's call it what it is. Many of these things really have nothing to do, <laughs> as we will see, with 
the Christmas we celebrate as Christians. They create kind of an illusion in many ways about the holidays that unfortunately, I think, leave us disappointed and disillusioned when the holidays are over because they miss what Christmas is really all about and they romanticize and sentimentalize and kind of sugarcoat Christmas. But they miss the true meaning. In some ways, what our culture has done is we've idolized Christmas. We've made an idol out of it. And here's why I say that. Because the definition of an idol is we look to something to give us what only God can give us. And so we look to things like parties and presents and trees and decorations and these songs and romantic love and spectacular events to give us the joy and the love and the peace which only God can give us. And so sometimes this commercialization of Christmas leaves us empty. It promises, and this is what an idol does. An idol promises so much, but it always fails to deliver. Because it cannot give us what only God can give us. So this is what we're going to look at at Christmas, this Christmas, this Advent, is look at these songs and really try to ascertain what is the message that's being sent here and where does it come from and how does that compare to the Christmas we celebrate um, as Christians. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to try to have some fun. We're going to sing some songs. And i got to tell you, you got to help me sing when we get to that part or it's not going to be very fun. And so let's feel free to have some fun this this Advent. Let me read two scriptures to you, and then we'll pray and I'll jump in. First from John 15, 9 through 11. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples, of course, uh, on the night in which he was betrayed. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain or abide or dwell in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain, stay connected to my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. And here's the point I really want to touch. I have told you this so that my joy, my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. And then from 1 Peter 1, 8 through 9, written to a church that is experiencing heavy persecution at the hands of the Roman Empire. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith the salvation of your souls. Let's pray together. God, I pray that uh, you would take these scriptures and uh, my thoughts, my meditation, and pray that you would speak to us what we need to hear today. Lord, we know that you are alive and that you have a word for us this morning. 
to encourage us and to help us to see you in a clearer way and what you have for us. So, Lord, may our ears be open, may our hearts be open to the word that you have for us this morning. In Christ's name, amen. So I had an all-day meeting, which I just love, of course. And it was over around 3, 4 o'clock. It was the Christmas season, and I thought, I have one more present to get. Maybe I can sneak in a strategic strike at the mall. (laughs) One gift. I knew what it was. I was going to go get it. And so I thought, I can do this. I can get ahead of rush hour traffic. Big mistake. (laughs) There I was, sitting on the on-ramp just to get off for about 10 minutes. And then I got into the traffic, and it was one of those traffic jams that were so bad that you had to wait two or three times for the light to change before you can get through the intersection. It was absolutely horrible, basically a standstill. And finally, I got to the mall, and I went in, and uh, boy, it seemed kind of the same, just packed. People running around frantically, looking for presents, sitting on benches, looking exhausted. I made my strategic strike. I got out of there and back into the traffic. It was even worse at this point. And there I was, sitting, just stuck. And I looked up at the, in the median. They had lampposts with banners hanging down. Uh, and it said, Happy Holidays. <laughs> and then I noticed that every banner had a different word. Beautiful words, meaningful words, good words, words like love and peace and joy. And I have to be honest, I thought, man, I am not feeling a lot of joy right now. (laughs) Then, almost as though on cue, and I kid you not, this really happened, the familiar voice of Andy Williams came over the radio you know the song, you got to help me out. It's the most wonderful time of the year with the kids jingle belling and everyone telling you be of good. <laughs> it's the most wonderful time of the year. Oops. It's the hap. Oh, no. It's the hap. Happiest season of all with those holiday greetings and gay meetings with friends come to call. It's the most, or it's the hap, happiest season of all. There'll be parties for and parallels for toasting and caroling out in the snow. There'll be scary ghost stories and tales of the glories of Christmases long, long ago. It's the most wonderful time of the year. There'll be much mistletoeing and hearts will be glowing when loved ones are near. Okay, here we go. It's the most Wonderful time of the year. Good job. You know those words much better than I know them. You did a good job. It's the most wonderful time of the year. The happiest season of all. I'm not so sure. 
How about you? Christmas can be a great time of year, can't it? For all the reasons Andy told us. For all the parties, times with loved ones, marshmallows, caroling, decorations, king, kids jingle belling, all the rest. It can be a wonderful time of the year, but you know what? It's also tremendously stressful, isn't it? All the things that I just mentioned that make the season wonderful can also make it pretty stressful. The happiness can be lost pretty easily while you're stuck in traffic or you're writing cards and buying the presents and wrapping the presents and getting Christmas set up, finding a tree, trimming the tree, cleaning the house, decorating, getting ready for guests, attending parties, putting away Christmas, taking down the lights, the tree, all the rest. There could be another uh, title for this song. It's the most exhausting time of the year, right? And it can also be, let's be honest, it can be a very painful season for many of us, can it not? Psychologists tell us that if there is something wrong in our life, if something is out of place, some yearning not met, some hope that hasn't quite been fulfilled, if there's disagreement or a broken relationship, Christmas can be the hardest, most difficult time of the year, most painful. Suicides, we know, we've read the statistics, go up during the holidays. And there's often an ache that comes at Christmas for those who have lost loved ones when there's an empty chair at the table. For some reason, it's at Christmas that we miss these loved ones the most. When we think of past Christmases, when they were with us, and they're no longer with us. Even sometimes when we are surrounded at parties and other events with all kinds of people, we can be lonely. And somehow, Christmas, the holidays, exacerbate this loneliness. It can be rough if you're struggling financially. Wow, Christmas can be a hard time. Not being able to buy that certain present you know that your kid wants. This is the message that I want to appeal back this morning. This is a great part of the message of the counterfeit Christmas. That everything's going to be great at Christmas. That we will be happy. That it will be the happiest season of all, the most wonderful time of the year. And it raises our expectations so high that we often get through the holidays and we're disappointed. Because kids aren't going to be perfect. (laughs) The Christmas meal sometimes gets ruined. The relationships in our families sometimes are not what we would hope. And because of that, It's not the most wonderful time of the year or the happiest season of all. And yet this is the message. Where where does it come from? Well, it really comes from the Christmas of the Christians. Because joy, right, is right at the center of the message of Christmas. And really right at the center of the the message of Christianity. You know, we think back to Luke, too, of the announcement 
to the shepherds that Christ, the Savior, will be born. Don't be afraid, the angel says. I bring you what? Good news of great joy. And actually, the translation there is mega joy. I bring you good news of mega joy for all the people. And then we read in this passage that I read from John 15, on the night in which he was betrayed, Jesus is teaching his disciples about the importance of staying connected, of being close to him, of of remaining close relationship with him. And you know what he said at the end of that time of teaching? He said, I have told you this. So that these things, so my joy may be, my joy, the joy of God, may be in you. And your joy may be complete. And when Jesus uses that word complete, it's kind of the same thing, full, satisfying. It gives the image of a cup overflowing in abundance. And then maybe perhaps most striking of all, Peter speaks of this joy given to a group of people who are experiencing horrible persecution. Though you've not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with a what? Inexpressible and glorious joy. Joy is right at the center of Christmas. And right at the center of our Christian faith. And yet so often we miss it. Now, for some reason you're still thinking about Andy Williams singing. I want you to stop that and listen to this because this is the main point of the sermon. Why do we miss it? Well, here's a possible reason why. It's maybe because we misunderstand joy. And because of that, we look to the wrong things to give us joy. You see, here's the deal, really. I think, and you've probably heard this before if you've been in church, but we often confuse joy that the New Testament is talking about here with happiness. And because of that, we think joy is a result of circumstances in our lives. We think that if our life goes really well, we will experience joy. If we have financial success and a great career and are free of tragedy and and have all the material things we want, then we will have joy. And so we spend maybe our whole lives chasing after all those things, running from one to the next to the next, a new hobby, a new car, a new relationship, a new love, whatever it may be, trying to meet those deep yearnings of the human heart. And we think if we can avoid pain and insulate ourselves from the vicissitudes of life, then we will have joy. Friends, this just isn't so. We can have all those things. All of it. And still miss joy. 
And besides that, sooner or later, isn't it true that all of those things can be taken away like that? And then where are we? You see, here's the difference, and here's the problem. We confuse joy with happiness, and there's a difference between happiness and joy. Happiness is dependent on circumstances. All those things I just said. Our English word, it gives it away. Its Latin root is hap, which means chance. Happiness is dependent on chance, on circumstances. We are usually happy when circumstances are good. When life goes the way we want, and we all want to be happy. I mean, it, every survey I've ever read about what Americans want in life, you know, it's really interesting. It's not really so much money and material things and all, all that stuff, but people usually say, I just want to be happy. Or even more telling, if you have kids, what do you want for your kids? I don't need them to be successful. I don't need them to have everything. What is it we want? For? We just want them to be what? Happy. But happiness that we see here, just what I said, it's based on circumstances. When things are going right, we can be happy. And when things go wrong, happiness eludes us. And because of that, if it's based, our lives are based on things, these things, our life can be a roller coaster. Much of what is sold at Christmas is happiness disguised as joy. I remember a BMW ad, and i got to be careful here. <laughs> BMW ad, it ran for a number of years. I, I bet it comes back this year. I saw it on a banner in, in the ball. BMW. And then that grill that we all know, right? Very simple. And then at the bottom, joy. Advertisers are smart. They aren't selling us a car. Well, they are selling us a car. But they're trying to sell it to us through meeting the deep yearnings of our hearts. Joy. You know, it's our closing song today, we're going to sing, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. Oh, there's a line in there that I just love. It's... Uh, now I can't remember it. <laughs> Jesus, basically, who meets the longing for joy in every human heart. Joy is different. It's more robust than happiness. It's, it's more foundational. It's deeper. It's something independent of circumstances. Maybe it's more of an affirmation than a feeling. The joy, joy that Christ came to give us, that Christmas is what we, what we celebrate at Christmas, it's independent of circumstances. We see that in the angels' announcements to the shepherds. I have good news of great mega joy for all the people 
You know what's so interesting about this is this message was given to people who were living in a very troubled time. Did you know that? Life was tough. And yet the angel said, in the midst of this pain, I bring you great joy for all the people. Mega joy. Even joy for those who are hurting, who are in pain. I bring joy for those whose cups are are just leaking badly, cups of joy. You know, it's interesting to me that I can't tell you how many times I've been with people who are dying, Christians, who have experienced tremendous pain for many months sometimes, usually with cancer, and they say, Steve, you know, it's the weirdest thing. In the midst of all of this, I've experienced this joy. And I can't really describe it, but it's a joy that has just been there through all of this. I'm looking out in this audience right now at a friend who I haven't seen in two years who has early onset Alzheimer's. And I would, she would say the same thing. There's an inexpressible joy in my life, even in the midst of this horrible circumstance. Here's why the joy of Christmas can be ours, even when the circumstances may not be the best. The joy of Christmas, the real Christmas, has as its source big things, really big things. The happiness that we are so often told about at the counterfeit Christmas, and of which many of these songs sing about, it's often about small things. There's a lot of publicity (laughs) about kind of small things. It's interesting that our culture has taken this event that is of cosmic proportions. <laughs> you know, the, the event that changed everything and has made it really small. And they've removed the wonder and the bigness of Christmas. And really, the only things that are left are kind of these pretty small and transitory things. They've kind of trivialized Christmas. And They tell us we're going to be happy because of parties and trees and Christmas lights and eggnog and mistletoe, which are all fun. And chestnuts roasting on an open fire and sleigh rides and, oh, these things may make us happy and bring momentary pleasure, but they are fleeting, they are transitory, they are temporary, and they're really kind of small potatoes compared to where our joy lies as Christians. Because our joy at Christmas and in our lives really is rooted in the big stuff. (laughs) Really big stuff. Big stuff like God breaking into the world in a new way, a whole new way. The great, mysterious 
all-knowing, all-powerful God, humbling God's self and becoming one of us. Big stuff like this same God entering into the pain, the messiness of this world and moving into our neighborhood and getting right in close to us. Big stuff like God entering into our pain today so we know the presence of Christ even during the most stressful, painful, and most lonely times of life. Big stuff like Emmanuel, God with us. We're never alone. Big stuff like Christ entering into our very lives, in fact, inhabiting our hearts and giving us power to live beyond ourselves, giving us the power to love beyond ourselves, giving us power to overcome those things that, that bog us down and can rob us of life, like addictions and destructive habits. Big stuff like knowing the grace of God, this winsome, wonderful love of God that accepts us just as we are, that forgives us, not just once, but over and over and over again, that always gives us a hope that when we're at the end of our rope, there's a chance for a new beginning. Always. Big stuff. Like healing us from the deep hurts of our lives. Setting us free to become the people that God created us to become in the very beginning. Big stuff like a great purpose in life of being part of God's work to bring justice and love to this world. Big stuff like victory over sin and death and the promise of eternal life with God. Big stuff. Now listen to this. Like the promise that someday, someday, Christ will come again. You know, this is what we celebrate at Advent. We look back to when Christ was born. But really what Advent is about, it's a time of waiting for Christ to come back again and to ultimately triumph over pain and disease and evil and even death itself to establish the justice that we all so much yearn for, don't we? To establish a new kingdom, a new heaven and a new earth where there will be no more racism and sexism and brokenness and viruses and cancer and brokenness. Oh, that's big stuff, isn't it? Do you feel it in your heart sometimes to yearn for that time? God has put it there. It's cosmic. It gives us awe. And it really is truly the most wonderful time of the year. Do you see it, friends? These are the reasons for our joy. This is why the angels can say, even in the midst of a difficult time, and why Jesus can say to his disciples, knowing that they are going to be persecuted and even killed for knowing him, that I bring you joy. Great joy. Mega joy.
joy to the world. The Lord has come. Amen. God, we thank you. Oh, man, if we could just grasp what you have done through the sending of your son, we would have this inexpressible joy, this mega joy that overflows in our hearts. Lord, this Christmas, in the middle of all that goes on, some of it just really fun and, and really good, we pray that we would not lose sight of why we have joy, even in the midst of a pandemic and difficult times, and even in the good times. We have a joy that lies in the big stuff. Lord, may we experience that joy this Christmas and keep our eyes focused on you and what you have done for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.